0: you can- Sunday we're back on the Sabbath day it's October 29th and we're back for another edition of the daily walk I'm your host Wayne Clevenger and it is a good day it's the day of worship and today we're in John 9 through 12 and it's a good day it's a good read today. There's a lot of good things that happen. And the first thing that we talk about in John 9 is, you know, the, the question is this person that's born blind, born blind because of his sins or because of the parents' sins. And Jesus puts to rest once and for all that people with afflictions, whether they're born with them or they acquire them along the way, get him because of sinning that that doesn't happen that way he says neither it's not because of sins of him or his parents sins it's happened so the power of God can be seen and so you know this a lot of times people look at it as you know I must have did something wrong why is this happening to me and You know, why is it this way? And the power of God can be reflected and seen through our situations if we so allow it. That's the big thing. And, you know, I go back to the story of losing my brother-in-law on Father's Day in 2012. And, you know, that he was a liaison for our church he was super good with people he was a good jesus follower good lover of the lord and you know he was a cancer survivor every day he would when he prayed he said thank you for another day not promised cuz he and people thought that was cliche but that meant a lot to him because he knew that He was given the gift of life. The Lord really healed him. See, through the affliction of cancer, he was the glory of God was seen. The power of God was seen because he was cured or, you know, made whole again. And he knew it. And he was giving God glory for that every single day, not to be taken for granted. He knew that. And he would pray that openly. But then we lose him unexpectedly, tragically, to a severe asthma attack on a hot summer day after he'd been working in the yard a lot. So you say, well, where's the power of God in that? Here's the power of God in that. The power of God in that is the fact that through all of that, His testimony lives on through his wife, my sister, and through the people that he touched in his life, and through his family, his mom. His mom just celebrated her 95th anniversary, and she is strong as, I mean, she is a picture of hell. She looks so good, and it's just amazing to see that testimony. Now, is there other things? Yeah, there's other things going on that, that would probably make him u- upset, but here's the thing. The power of God is revealed through his story, and it's so amazing to see how that works and how God moves in that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's not bad, Things or any one sin that that happened, it's so the power and glory of God can be revealed. And my sister's testimony, his wife, would be the same because she people ask her how she's doing good, and she her thing is bad things happen to good people because God sees the bigger picture. And my my thing is, maybe you know, maybe God is protecting him from some of the things my sister and I see. You know, and so that could be, we'll know when we get there, but we know that he is not having to live in some of the stuff we live in. So the story of the blind man is Jesus heals him, and he heals him by uh, going up to him and making mud with Jesus' own spit and putting it over the man's eyes and telling him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he goes and washes in the pool of Siloam, and then he can see. So he's made whole. So there's this big squabble over two things. One is it's really that guy, and two, it's the Sabbath. Jesus did it on the Sabbath. So to the Pharisees, you know, they're trying to figure out Is it really the blind man? Because he was born that way. They bring in the parents. They say, yeah, it's our son. They're trying to trap him into something so they can cast him out of the temple by saying the name of Jesus. And they say, "Uh, we don't know how he got his sight. Ask him. Because they're not falling into that trap. And the man says, excuse me, I don't know All I know is I've told you the story once and I know this before all my life I couldn't see and now I see. And see, Jesus' point in this thing is before we know Jesus, he uses a literal blind man to point this out, especially to the Pharisees, and this really honks them off, right, is Before we know Jesus, we are blinded to his power and what he can do in our life. But when we have Jesus, we see life through a different lens and we see how wonderful it is and what the power of God can do. And then we recognize when these things happen that it's the Lord. And, you know we had a massive answer to prayer a couple weeks ago and it was so good it made me weep and I just said it's the Lord because the Lord provided for us in an amazing way again and I know that when that happens when we see because the Lord opens our eyes we know it's the Lord and so that's what happens here again and I just think that that's amazing so we really have to see how this plays out so he after the man goes through persecution and they do this Jesus asks him do you believe in the Son of Man and he says I want to believe in him yes and he says who is it and Jesus tells him you have seen him he's the one you're speaking to and he says yes Lord I believe Because remember, he couldn't see anything before. And now he's not only seeing him, but he's speaking to him. And that's how it is for us, man, when our eyes are open, we have that aha moment, this is who Jesus is, this is what it's like. Thank you, Lord. And then we kind of wish, oh, man, you can think this blind guy is wishing, man, I wish I could have seen earlier, but now I can see, so I'm going to live in that. So I'm going to take it all in. I'm going to love every minute of it. And so that's how it is when we accept Jesus. We're like, oh, man, I wish we'd have had this life with Jesus sooner because I'm loving it and I'm going to serve him and i'm going to walk with him and do everything i can as long as i can with jesus and so jesus says this to him because the man said yes i believe and he started worshiping jesus and jesus said i entered the world to render judgment to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see they are blind and that's you know that's what the pharisees were all about that's what the religious people are all about they think they see but they're so busy rendering judgment and they're not the ones to render judgment only the lord can do that and so that irritates the pharisees even more and they're like, so you're saying we're blind? <laughs> and he said, if you are blind, you. Jesus replies, if you are blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And they're really not seeing yet because they're denying Christ. And that's when we get into trouble. So then John 10 goes into how Jesus is the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, his sheep know his voice. That's the thing. If we are one of Jesus' sheep, then we know his voice. And when he calls, we go to him and we follow him. And He's this is where he says, no one can take my life from me because I sacrifice it voluntarily. And so he points out in John 10.10, 10, this verse we use a lot is, The thief, that's the one that tries to steal the sheep, that's Satan. His job, his only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus' purpose is to give rich and abundant life. So remember the enemies out there to only try to, Take away your joy. Take away your sight. Try to get you away from the flock. But Jesus wants to give you life abundantly. And then Jesus goes into more about how the sheep hear his voice. And they know to follow him because him and the father are one. Because he is the son of God. And of course, this really gets those boys, the Pharisees, more upset so they're getting ready to stone him again and he's like why are you stoning me for my good works and they said no we're not stoning you for blasphemy we're stoning you because you claim to be the son of God and then Jesus throws some scripture at him that says well some of you people said you know in one place Jesus said or in one place you guys Say I God said you are all gods. So if we are all called gods, why are you calling it blasphemy that I say I am the son of God? So he's twisting it on them because they don't know the scripture still. And of course, the gods in there is geo, uh, small G-O-D-S. And so it just shows that they are lost. So Jesus puts it back on them. and so when he sees that, Jesus gets away from him and goes across the Jordan River near the place where John the Baptist was baptizing before all his calamity started. And then he goes to Bethany. and that's where we get a precursor of Jesus's uh, tomb and resurrection through Lazarus, because he finds out that Lazarus is sick. And he says, okay. And Lazarus is his good friend. And he says, okay. And when he hears it, he says, Lazarus' sickness won't end in death. But he didn't go right away, as we know. And so a few days later, he gets a message, and he's like, Lazarus has died. So that's when he tells his disciples Hey, we got to go back to Judea. And they're like, but only a few days ago, like they're trying to stone you. And he's like, yeah, but we, we got to go back. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and they didn't get it because he says we got to go wake him up. And they thought he meant literally he fell asleep. So Jesus said, no, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So he goes back to Ju- to uh, Judea to raise Lazarus. And so when he gets there, you know, he's just outside the city. Martha comes running up and says, oh, if you'd only been here. Now remember, Martha was the busy one that's always busy doing things. And she's upset and says, oh, if you'd only been here, my brother would have lived. And Jesus tells her right up front, your brother will rise again. And she's like thinking second coming, like, you know, at the resurrection when all the dead in Christ will rise. And she's like, yeah, I know he will at the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she said. I always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and the one who came to the world from God. So then she goes and gets Mary, and Mary comes, and she says the same thing. Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would would not have died, but she's at Jesus' feet. Remember, Mary was the one, while Martha's too busy getting things ready and complaining, Mary's always at Jesus' feet. And when she's at Jesus' feet, Jesus kind of gets a little emotional. And he says, where have you put him? And so they take Jesus to the gravesite. They've already got a stone in front of it. And Jesus looks at it, and he says, Roll the stone aside. Now, Martha, remember the busy one, who he said, I am the resurrection and the life to. Do you believe this? And she said, yes. She has something to say about that. She's like, Oh, but he's been dead four days. Now, Jesus just said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? And she said, yes. But now, because he said roll the stone away, this gives a reason to the short verse, shortest verse in the Bible, 1135, Jesus wept. He's upset because they aren't getting it. But Jesus told the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes. Now let's go so you can really believe. So he's not only showing the disciples the power that God has. Remember, they just said in the first chapter, in chapter nine, that none of this happens because of anyone's sins. This is so the power of God can be revealed, so the glory of God can be revealed, Lazarus didn't die of his sickness because of anybody's sins and not because of anything bad, but but the glory of God is going to be revealed. So his response to Martha is, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? <laughs> and I just think that's awesome because here it comes. So then Jesus says openly, before anything else, he thanks the Lord, his father. Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud. What did he say out loud? Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? He said that out loud. He already knew God's glory was going to be revealed in this. He already knew that Lazarus' death would... Or, Sickness would not end in death. He would already said that, but he had to say this out loud so they would see and understand because they aren't getting it. And it's not that he's upset with them and angry because they don't get it. It's because he knows that they are distraught, and this is a learning moment for them. And he says, you always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. He's These aren't pharisaical people hating him and doubting him because they think he's a blasphemer. These are people that are distraught because of their loss and they just don't know what to do and they're waiting to see what's next. Like. What's next in life after the loss of someone? And Jesus knows their hearts, so that's why this is happening this way, and that God's glory is going to be revealed because of his compassion for his people, his sheep. His sheep are hearing his voice. <laughs> and so after he prays that out loud to the Father, he says, Lazarus, come out. They move the stone. Remember, he already said that. And Lazarus came out. He's still wrapped in his grave clothes. And Jesus says to them, unwrap him and let him go. And you think that's the end of the story, right? But it's not. That's just the beginning because that's when the Pharisees get really mad because the whole area starts getting all excited about this miraculous thing Jesus did, raising this man from the dead. So now they really want to kill him. And that's when you know they're plotting big time now because they got to get this man out of here. They got to get this man out of here because too many people are going to start believing in him because he does all this great stuff. They're they're it's a they're mad because their popularity is dying out, and so they're plotting on a way to kill him and they're worried because if they don't get rid of him the Roman army's going to think there's this because all the people are following him that there's this big uprising and they're going to destroy their temple and their nation which is you know it's just that's how Satan works remember he comes to kill steal and destroy he's already working on the Pharisees making them think that when that's not even possibly going to happen So Caiaphas, remember Caiaphas? Caiaphas is the high priest that gives Jesus a bunch of grief and is wanting him uh, crucified and killed. Caiaphas says, and John's the only one that records this, you don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. See the Holy Spirit got in him and made him say that and he doesn't even realize it. He doesn't realize that he's prophesying right then and there that this one man is gonna die. But it's not just for this nation of Israel, it's for the world because he's almost quoting John three sixteen and doesn't even realize it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He's gonna die for the world, not a nation. And bring all the children of God together. And that's what verse 52 points out. So Jesus gets a hint that this is happening, that they're plotting against him. So he leaves and stops his public ministry And leaves Jerusalem until his time comes and stays in the wilderness in a village, uh, in the village of Ephraim. And stays there with his disciples. So chapter 12 gets us close, closer to those days. Because Jesus is getting anointed. He's at the... It's close six days before the Passover and he gets in Bethany back to the home of Lazarus and he's having dinner there with Martha. There she is doing her thing again and Lazarus and Mary, the one at his feet, is at his feet again and she pours a 12-ounce jar of perfume over his feet and is wiping it with her hair. Yep, it's that lady again. Only John records it this way. And, of course, Judas gets all tanked about it, talking about how it's worth a year's worth of wages because it's expensive perfume, the essence of nard. And Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. She's getting me ready for burial. Don't, don't mess with her. Leave her alone. And here's the thing what we find out in John. The leading priests who are trying to get Jesus killed were so mad about Lazarus being raised from the dead that they were plotting a way to kill Lazarus too. Because it was, excuse me, it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So their popularity's going down, so let's kill Lazarus too because he's the one that, because of his resurrection, we're losing our fame and fortune. And it's just funny how that works because if someone gets ahead of someone else, we see that today still. Let's just do our best to destroy them and then we can get our fame back. You know, slander and, and whatever else we can do to make them look bad, then we will, you know, get what we want back. But really, if we look at that, we look just as bad doing it. And that's what's going to happen to these guys, you know, eventually. So then we get Jesus's triumphal entry. And Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem. So it looks like we're getting really close to the passion of the Christ, right? But Jesus in John, we have several things going to take place before we get to that. So... This is really good, so we have the triumphal entry, Jesus coming into to Jerusalem on the donkey, um, and people were noticing that, and then Jesus predicts his death, and here's what's in John that's not in the others as well. Jesus knows that he's gonna die, and he puts it this way, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, It remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new ones. So if you think about that, when Jesus dies on the cross and is put in the tomb and he goes and battles Satan and wins, grabs the keys of hell, and now he he has the victory over death, now we have the chance to be with him eternally in heaven. We have that same power to defeat death and live with him eternally in heaven. All because what he did. And I think that is cool. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So, Anybody that wants to be with him will take the same route. We will sacrifice and die out to ourselves and then go make more kernels because we're gonna go tell people how great this life is we have in Jesus and we're gonna show it. We're not gonna condemn people. We're not gonna judge people. We're not gonna tell them how awful they are. We're gonna just love people in the kingdom like Jesus did and teach them how great a blessing it is to be his. And let God do the judgment. Let the Holy Spirit do the judgment. And sometimes people don't get that. They want to come in and just tell people how awful they are and how bad they are. And it doesn't work that way. He says, for I have come to save the world, not to judge it. Chapter 12, verse 47 I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. That's Jesus. That's red letters. That's because the Lord God does the judging, and we are here to just teach and let the Holy Spirit guide. If mum's the word, the Spirit's heard, and the work gets done because he's a whole lot less offensive than we are. The Holy Spirit has a way of convicting and convincing that's way better than the flesh. And people, they mean well, but it comes out with anger. And in Romans 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, you judge and you say these things against people, but you do the very same thing. (laughs) And so we have to be very careful Because Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So if we think about what we're saying, if it's not coming from the Holy Spirit right when we speak it, then maybe we shouldn't speak it. Because if our words are not edifying words, then maybe we shouldn't be saying them at all. that's where Paul will write, let no unwholesome talk come from our mouths, only those that are good and build each other up. So Jesus is the answer. Woo, good stuff for today. Let's go into worship today with an open ear, hoping. That we hear Jesus because we know we're his sheep. And let's just praise the Lord. Have a great Sabbath and know Jesus loves you and he wants you in his flock. Have a great Sabbath. We'll see you tomorrow. word of God speak, Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes.